Welcome to The Power Circle, an interactive series to help cultivate the next generation of founders in South LA and beyond. Each month, we invite early stage Black and Latinx founders to share their startup journey and challenges and receive feedback from experts in the tech ecosystem in real time. And as a plus, you'll hear from some of the rising stars in tech, business, and culture and gain valuable insights to level up in your own startup or career. Broadcasting from sunny South Los Angeles, it's The Power Circle. As Derek mentioned, um, I'm the founder and CEO of MeTime. It is a emotional wellness platform that helps you think, feel, and work better. And I ha- was sitting in the shoes of our presenting founders a few years ago when I participated in a Lunch and Learn presentation, and that's how I got involved in the community, and then went on to participate in the first accelerator program and was part of the first cohort and recently graduated. And so I can't say enough good things about this community and how much it's helped me. And it was in that cohort program that I had the opportunity um, to meet and hear Lori Child's story. It is incredible, um, very inspiring as a founder who's out there you know, bootstrapping and trying to raise money. And so let me go ahead and introduce you to Lori. She is the CEO and founder of Finley, a family-centric enterprise platform, payment platform for neighborhood businesses. Prior to her journey into entrepreneurship, she spent 18 years in financial services and was most recently an executive director at JP Morgan, where she focused on technology and innovation. And she also worked at Silicon Valley Bank and Wells Fargo in a similar capacity. And what truly defines Lori outside of her work is that she is a mother of two. She is a first generation immigrant, a karaoke enthusiast, and a self-proclaimed chef. Me too, Lori, by the way. (laughs) So Lori, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm just like, wow, thank you for that introduction. (laughs) I wasn't expecting it. you know, since there's so much has changed since the last time um, I was here with the, um, the, the, the Plug in LA team. And um, I think the elephant in the room is COVID, right? And so for Finley, when we're focusing on small businesses and we were in private beta and we're a very early stage company, like, you know, my last day at JP Morgan was literally April 1st, 2019. And then all of this happened. As soon as we were about to launch to the public, it was March of this year. And that's when everything shut down. (laughs) And you can imagine our customer base, small businesses, not even small, medium-sized business, but small neighborhood businesses that are like the daycare centers, the karate schools, the the language academies. not only were their doors closed, but they were struggling to put food on the table. And at that time, we're like, crap. Like, what do we tell our investors? I just hired a couple of people, um, you know, like I don't have the, the capital or the money to even think about. So at that time, it was not about, okay, let's grow. You know, I had like this whole 12 month roadmap in place, right? In my mind. And also just like, everybody's been vetted, everybody's on board. And then when, when COVID happened and shelter in place happened, 
you can imagine the complete utter disruption. And so at that point, we're like, okay, let's look at, at our core. Is our product truly valuable? Because we cannot afford fluff. We don't have the hundreds of thousands of dollars every month to drive Facebook campaigns, right? And to, to get our customers on board because are they even in the right mind to, um, you know, to, to even be a part of a demo or, or even hear what we offer? And so at that point, it was pretty much sink or swim for us. We're like, if we have truly a valuable product that can add value to our community right now, um, and so we, we proceeded to test and it was pretty successful because my, my goal for 2020 was to onboard 50 schools. And by June, we were at 80 schools. And by, you know, August, we were at like close to 200 schools and we spent $0 acquiring them. And as you can imagine, when we're a backend software, we pretty much have to uproot their entire operational inefficiencies from invoicing to, you know, digital presence to, um, you know, uh, pretty much their entire reconciliation and AR uh, endeavors. And it's very intrusive. So we're able to do that without any customer acquisition dollars. You know, it is the karate school introducing us to the daycare center down the street who's introducing us to the, you know, the, the jujitsu academy, right? And for that, it signaled to us, okay, our product is truly valuable. So this is the right time to actually go out there and acquire customers. Because previously, if you think about it, we can spend money in acquiring customers, but what if they come in and our product was subpar and then we lose them? How many X of marketing dollars do we need to spend to bring them back? It's going to be really hard. So then at that point, we're thinking, okay, clearly we have a product that works. We have a product that people need, not that people want, but people absolutely need. So then how do we get the word out? How do we, as a little tiny startup that just raised 1.5 million pre-seed out of Techstars that is a year less than a year old compete against all of the other players whether it's QuickBooks or Brightwheel, just much deeper pocket SMB, you know, focus platforms and just pierce through the noise. And, um, and that led to kind of the, um, the, 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 the evaluation of do we hibernate or do we double down? Because if we hibernate, which is pretty common, it's, it's not, you know, not respected, right? Because if, you know, depending on the size and where you are, you can decide to hibernate and think about, um, uh, can I just like reduce cost? Can I just uh, cut some, you know, hours for the existing employees and just weather through the storm, not knowing how long the storm would last? Or do we go and raise more capital and really double down because we have a product that is truly impactful? So at that time, our investors were giving us the pressure, like make a decision, right? And our customers are like, are you really going to help us? Or are you not? Our team members are thinking, oh, crap, I just joined a startup. <laughs> like, what am I going to do? Um, and so I think what, what, enable or influence me to lean one way or the other was actually talking to our clients. They were literally, I mean, irrespective of their men, women, young or senior, they were in tears 
right? They were just totally devastated. Like, Lori, I'm struggling to keep the lights on. Lori, this is my life's work. And I don't know if I'm going to open my doors next month. Lori, I just brought on this new instructor. What do I tell her? I cannot pay her. Or Lori, I am owner operator. I can, I'm the primary breadwinner. My wife works in my studio and we are struggling to feed our children, right? It's like, when you hear those stories, how do you not want to take action if you have the opportunity to take action? So at that moment, I made the decision. It was somewhat irrational also, right? Because it, you don't have data. You don't have enough time to gather data. You just don't to think, okay, we're just going to double down. We're going to just, you know, we might have 12 months of runway now, but we're going to squeeze that down to six months of runway because we're going to try to do what we can to help our customers right now. If we can help you know, 10 customers, 10 small businesses keep their lights on and help them wither through this storm, then it's worth it for us, even if we go down with it. But that is like a very naive way of thinking because you're backed by VCs, right? What do they tell their LPs? It was self, it was a selfish decision, but it was like one that I, I made because I was really influenced by, by kind of the voice of the market, right? Our market. And, um, and at that point, once we made the decision to, spend, right? We actually hired three additional team members in the first two months of shelter in place because we were growing very quickly. Um, I had to go out and fundraise and I, I literally just fundraised and, um, and had to go out and fundraise again. And at that point, I didn't have the shelter of Techstars because we just graduated from Techstars. We started with Grid 110. I see Lauren here, my Grid 110 alum. I love Grid 110. And then we we um, we then went through the Techstars program. And after demo day, we were able to close a small seed, right? The 1.5. And then in COVID, I realized how hard it was to raise additional capital. Because first of all, our market, nobody likes softwares for SMBs, I learned, right? <laughs> like they like vertical softwares, they like vertical payment, but for SMBs, the whole stigmas all come back, right? Like they're so expensive to acquire or churn and attrition issues. How many impressions do you need to make to convert? Do you need boots on the ground? Are they, you know, technically savvy? Are they fee sensitive? Can you even charge them? All of the problems amplified um, as we're fundraising during that time because our market is a, is a highly volatile market. It is not even about is there competitors out there that your clients are going to leave you for? It is about, are they going to survive? Are they going to go out of business? So what's the point of you selling your software to them? Um, so it was, uh, it was tough because as a founder and as a, in, in a situation where it's just unprecedented, um, we're burning cash, we're adding value, but the value that we're able to amplify doesn't equate to the cash and the stress level that we're burning. And then we're out there trying to raise capital when everybody else who is doing much better and more advanced, right? And maybe later stage are also raising capital because they want a nest egg. They want to feel peace of mind. So there's actually an abundance of investment opportunities for these investors. And so then I saw the bar raising as I'm pitching because before my, I can, I can, I'm pitching with a crappy deck, but they love our story and they love, you know, our, just our progress. But then during COVID, it's almost like the same seed or pre-seed investors 
need to see Series A traction at a pre-seed valuation, right? Like that's exactly what I was experiencing. But at that point, I'm like, I don't even care if they're going to be investors that's going to add value. Like the heck with value. I just need the money because I need money to pay my employees so that we can continue to go on. So it was like a very real um, dilemma that I feel many of my founder, CEO friends were struggling with um, at the same time. And plus, I'm a mom. I'm dealing with the mom guilt, um, you know, times X because my kids are home doing distance learning. They're in kindergarten, first grade, respectively, you know, and they can, you cannot bribe them with things to be in front of a computer to do virtual classes all day. They're, you know, like it's, uh, and also they're at an age where they're learning a lot of the foundational stuff, right? Like they're learning how to read, they're learning how to do math. Like what kind of a mom am I when my kids are just falling behind and I'm helping other people's kids, right? There's like so much of that going on. And then my husband is also an entrepreneur, but he's a bit more mature. He's been at it for 10 years plus. Um, although he's a very hands-on dad and I, I, I'm sorry to like detour with the whole fundraising thing, but it's all kind of related as a, as a woman. Um, when my husband and I uh, were first in the beginning with shelter in place, it was not even, it was not even discussed. It was almost expected that I'm the one to stay home and supervise the kids, even though I'm also working. And he is too, but he's like a very hands-on dad. He is like dad, mom. He's like plays so many roles. I feel like I am not surprised to see the statistic of like 700 some thousand women left the workforce during shelter in place. Like I am not surprised with that because in our household, of course, I'm going to be the better one to supervise my kids with their curriculum. Of course, I'm going to be the one to make sure that they eat their lunch and eat their snacks, right? Like I can't, I wouldn't even want my husband to do that because he's going to just like, they're all going to just eat pizza, breakfast, lunch, and dinner if that was the case. Um, and so the stress level was very, very high. And to deal with, you know, the, the new team members that have um, trusted in this vision and believed in this vision. Because every time when my COO tells me, hey, Lori, so-and-so just accepted an offer. In my mind, my first instinct is always, really? You know, like I'm, I'm happy, but I'm also surprised. Um, and so, and so it's like, it's an, it's, a, it's an amplification of different types of feelings. And, um, and I have to say, like if I say it's like it's pure grit and hard work, then I'm just lying because it does have a lot to do with luck. You can kiss a thousand frogs and it really just takes one. And I met this amazing investor, Mac Ventures, Adrian Finty, who is the former mayor of DC and just like really well-connected and just very, um, very helpful. Like just want to invest in companies that have a social impact um, in small business and underrepresented communities. And, and, and as soon as we met, like we spoke for much longer than our allotted time. And within the first week I met their entire team. And then within two weeks we executed the safe docs. And it was like kind of, it was by far the easiest um, conversation I've had because it just felt right, you know, on, on both sides. It was like the stars aligned, but I had to 
I had to um, just deal with, I don't even want, I, do, I can't even count how many no's um, before I met him. And I, and, and it's, I, I really, do, I, I'm really thankful for um, our existing VCs and advisors who, who, who reached out to him and just like push for us, um, push for the meeting. Um, and, and then even during the due diligence process really spoke highly about why they believe in, in, in our little company and, and the impact that we would to make in the future state. Um, so it was, it was, it was a lot of components all coming together and all the puzzle pieces kind of just fit. And I have to say that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's really a combination of luck and grit because there were so many occasions pretty much on a daily basis that I'm just thinking, ah, oh, my corporate job, <laughs> how, how stable was that? You know, um, you know, we have childcare. I didn't have to like reduce my salary. Like, oh, also within, I would say like the first um, month in, I just, I reached out to our HR person. I'm just like, can you just like zero out to my salary? Like without telling anybody else, because it, I was just trying to do whatever I can to extend our runway, right? And, um, and it was kind of, it was really just like sink or swim and just all in. And you think about um, what if you fail? What do you say? Like, I actually had those, it, those thoughts, like, what do I say to my team? You know, if we just have one month of runway left and we have to close and there's a date of where we're shut down. Like, what do I say to them? What do I say to our customers that believed in us and migrated from another platform to us, right? Like, what do I say to our investors? I just lost all your money so quickly. Um, it was it was terrifying. So I, I want to stop there. Like, I don't want it to be like, a, <laughs> uh, uh, like one of those um, chats, but that's that's what happened. And I don't have the answers or any of the answers. I just kind of just have this, really quick and trying journey during COVID. And I'm open to kind of any questions you may have. I'm completely candid and open book, so. So um, thank you for sharing that story. Your story, having heard the first fundraising story and now this one is like a suspenseful cliffhanging thriller of a movie, honestly. So thank you for sharing. Um, if, if you have any questions, um, please put them in the chat. Um, I'll go ahead and kick it off with one. Um, with being a CEO founder, how and when you're in fundraising mode, how much time is spent on the fundraising versus the business part and the day-to-day? -day? Like, um, Yeah, I feel like I'm just a very lucky person because at that point I had a, a team and I had my COO who pretty much kept the lights on because fundraising definitely consumed a lot of my time, but more importantly, it consumed a lot of my energy. It was this dark cloud lingering. And I was, even if I had um, blocks of free time, I feel like I was emotionally paralyzed. You know, mm -hmm. I just, I can't think strategically about um, our sales strategy or like this customer roadmap, because in my mind, I'm thinking, why are we even talking about it? We could shut down next week. Right. And so it's like, I couldn't get myself to be fully present. And, um, and, and, and that's the, the truth. I was, uh, I, I though, although I had the time, but I was just not emotionally there until 
we met the right investors until we um, you know, were able to see the, the wire in our account. Then th it was like this burden that was lifted. It's like, okay, we can survive and we can do the things that we want to do. And then I'm, I'm just a lot more clear. Um, really the capital is what drives a lot. Like, you know, in, initially before I started to fundraise, I'm just like, it's the idea, it's the execution, it's the distribution, like it's all of that stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, I really do understand now why people say as a CEO, your job is to make sure you keep the lights on for your own company, right? Like you keep, have, make sure you have money in the bank because every single thing that we want to do requires money. And if we didn't have money, then we're done. Um, so yeah, so it was, it, I, I, to answer your question, I was very, very, uh, I was present, but not present. I was, um, and if it wasn't that for my C, C, COO, I think we would just be paused. I think, I think it would have been a logical step to just hibernate and conserve our capital. If I didn't have a team that can just keep, 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 keep going while I was like in a, weird paralysis state. Right. Um, we have a question here from McCall. Uh, given all you've learned, if you could go back in time, how would you do fundraising differently? I would, to be honest, I would focus a little bit on the deck because I didn't, I'm always somebody like, especially the first round of fundraising, I didn't really have a deck and it, it came, you know, I, it's, it's almost like a slap in the face to many of my friends who are struggling with um, fundraising. But for us, like the first little bit wasn't that hard. You know, when we had one investor that came in, others just followed. And, um, but then during COVID was when I kind of really ran a process or the process that I, I know how, um, which is like, you have a deck, you have a spreadsheet of like the investors you want to target your like top, top, investors, you're like lukewarm investors that you want to talk to first so that you can make the mistakes and learn so that you can be more prepared to talk to your top investors. I would say like really create a spreadsheet of all the investors that you want to talk to and look to see who you have mutual connections with and get introductions, um, one from their portfolio companies and then two from maybe like existing investors or just like advocates in the market for you. But the deck was really important because I, I was somebody who never really highlighted or just thought too highly of the deck, but our deck during COVID really helped me streamline our pitch or just like who we are in general, because it was a tough question to ask. And I think one of the reasons I undermined the value of the deck is because it was so hard to make it concise and, um, uh, uh, you know, just visionary. Um, it was all, I'm a, I'm a product person. I'm more of like, let's solve these problems, but that's not what is going to get this investor to call you back. And I learned that because I would send my deck initially during COVID and they would just turn, they would reject me without even talking to me. I'm like, why would they even not talk to me and give me a chance to hear the story? But they just turned it down um, based on the deck. But then going through the deck process helped me just clean up my thoughts. Excellent. Um, Lauren has a question here and, and it, it kind of goes with the, my thoughts. Um, She's asking, what did you do right to find that first investor that everyone followed? Or how were you lucky 
And I'm, you keep saying you're lucky, but I'm a firm believer that there is no such thing as luck, <laughs> that everything happens when it's supposed to happen and for a reason. But there's two things that you've said uh, or a theme that's coming up for me as you're speaking, that uh, a, you made a decision based on instinct, right? And listening to your customers. But at the end of the day, as founders, that's something that we do have to tap into when you're not sure and it's what's your gut, what's your instinct. And you got to this point for a reason, right? It, and based on your instinct, but the second piece of it that's very important is action. That you, you thought about it, you came up with an idea, you're, you know, you're probably doing a lot of praying, hoping, doing all these other things, but at the end of the day, you had to take action. So you made a clear decision and, and you took action. So given what Lauren's asking, you know, so what was that action? You know, what, what did you do to, to get that first investor? And then what was the thing that had them follow, other uh, investors follow? Right. Um, I, I do feel like, well, first of all, it's not just like me sitting here and be like, I want to be lucky. <laughs> Somebody give me money. Like you have to do the work. You have to just be ready for when the luck, you know, knocks on your door. Exactly. Um, and I think that is, that is key. Like you call, and, and for us, it's not, it's never smooth sailing. We pivot it twice, you know, and we were only a year and a half old. Um, and so you're just, you're constantly trying to evolve and be open-minded and like take your company and your vision to the next level. Um, you know, like in the, the first time I met Mikhail, he said something that I still remember, which is your product might change, right? The, the, the problems you're solving for might change, but the market will always be consistent. And that is exactly what we live through, right? Like our, our, what is the consistent, the common thread is we want to continue to support small businesses and communities. But did our product change? Of course it changed because it was influenced by macro impacts. Um, and that's, so, so these are all things that we continue to work towards. But I would say if we didn't get into Good 110, we probably wouldn't have met Anna Barber from Techstars. If I didn't meet Anna Barber from Techstars, I probably wouldn't have met Edwin, who is an associate at a core innovation capital in one of the office hours. And if I didn't, you know, if my kid that day was a day that um, I was having problems with childcare. So I actually had to take my son one of my sons to work with me in Techstars office. And my son was just banging on the glass door while I was having my 20 minute talk with Edwin from Core Innovation Capital. And he was like, um, oh, I used to go to work with my mom too. So I feel you. And you know, it's like, there's so many things that just like happen. If I was just not in the right mindset, if I was just pitching like my normal pitch to him, maybe we didn't connect. You know, maybe we, we wouldn't have connected. Like so many things happen for a reason. And I do want to believe that like stars have to be aligned somehow, right? For all these people to meet at the right time and for you to be prepared to say the right things and take the right actions. Um, so, so I would say, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to dismiss that like luck have something to do with it, but definitely good work uh, or just hard work. Um, has to be there. Um, and I, I, it was, it's hard because there is no like the right formula or the right moment or the right line that I threw out that made core innovation capital invest in Finley. It was um, me talking to Aryan, 
the general partner at CORE in their office. And he just asked me, tell me about yourself. And I was, you know, I was very, um, I was just very open. I was very sincere. And I, 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 I conveyed to him like why I'm the right person to do this, not only because I know how to build this technology, but I also feel passionate about this space that we are looking to disrupt, disrupt. And I hope that you can support me in this effort. And I don't know which part resonated with him, right? I, I really do not know, but um, they ended up investing. And there were so many um, people like investors I met through the process and they all said I love what you're doing and I will invest but they're just at the sidelines and sometimes it just takes that one to lean in and everybody else would just come with right and um, and that first was was core innovation for us and it was um and and, and to be to be perfectly frank I don't know but I I know that I was very sincere Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was very sincere. I was very factual and, um, and I stood my ground because it was not an easy conversation. If any of you have spoken to Ariane before, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I love that. And it really just sounds, you know, like you're standing in the power of, of you, your authenticity, your passion, and, you know, just, just being true to who you are. And, you know, I love the start part about having your son there and beating the down, you know, the window. I, I mean, was mortified. I was like, I, oh my goodness, yeah. we only have 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had that same experience as a mother when my daughter was young and had to bring her to work and she was having a meltdown. And, but that's life as a mom, as a working mom, you know, as a career mom. And, um, that's the truth. So Mike brings up a really great question, and, and I had some thoughts around this as well. And it's about leadership. And in terms of leading your team through global pandemic, through a global pandemic, with all the interferes that you were facing, you were dealing with a lot, right? You're exactly what your what your clients are going through, your customers are going through, you were going through it too. Yeah. Right. And so you're wrestling with all of this. So how did you balance? how much you share with your team for the sake of transparency, because clearly you're a very transparent person and having them, you know, buy into it versus protecting them from unnecessary panic. And that is a fine line as a founder, as a leader that you have to walk. And there's a certain amount of loneliness that you feel when you're in that role, because how much do you share? You have to motivate and inspire, you know, but you want to be honest and transparent and, and keep the ship moving forward. Yeah. And I, I want to answer that by saying through that process, I realized why many investors um, don't want to invest in solo founders because it is very lonely. And if I didn't have my COO who I can confide to, and, um, and he also have transparency in like how much money we have in the bank, you know, what, how do, how are we um, reducing uh, burn? How do we, how do we extend our runway? You have to have at least one person that you can, who just get what, what you're dealing with. And internally I had him, but then um, I also have this network of other female founders. We're all Asian first generation female founders 
very similar, you know, stories and very similar stage and companies. And we're all kind of struggling with the same thing. And sometimes like that is also helpful. Like you just need somebody stronger at some given point to lean on. Um, and, uh, and so then when it comes to sharing with your team, um, I'm a very, yes, I am a very transparent person, but there are certain things that, you know, you, you don't share, like how much money you have in the bank. Um, what is, a, you know, how much month you have left, right? Um, what can you do and not do because you are uh, cash constrained um, at, at, you know, at, at what level? And the stress factors are not, something those that I am experiencing or feeling like I'm imploding, um, I am not imparting that upon my team. Instead, I have to really understand them and think about why they joined us. What is their motivation to join Finley? Is it because they want to work for a startup so they can learn more? Is it because they just like also want to impact small businesses? Is it because, you know, through their um, upbringing, their ex they experience similar issues and they want, they see Finley as an opportunity for them to jump on a bandwagon to let we can solve for these problems together as a team, like really dig into the core. And, um, and I was also fortunate to have a small team, you know, we're a team of 11. So I have, um, you know, at that point, I had biweekly one-on-ones with every single member to check in. I mean, we had a team member who, um, you know, her, her husband's mom was diagnosed with COVID. You know, like there's just, there's so many issues, like, you know, and when we're engaging in a virtual way, um, there is no sense of crossing that line of like professional life and personal life like you're encroaching upon everyone's personal life on a daily basis and um and so it's really to show that you care and that most importantly you know why they're here and they know why you are here and and we all collectively know where we're trying to go as a team and it's going to be hard right because my issues are like okay fundraising we need to keep the lights on but their issues are not easy either. It's like, oh, I need to acquire customers for Finley. I need to grow and hit my metrics like X over X, you know, over this month. Or, um, oh, you know, we have so much technical debt. Like how do I, you know, tape and glue stuff behind the scenes so that we can continue to function to support our new customers. Like every single person on Finley have their own struggles. And that's something that you as a, as a, like, um, you know, a leader or in a leadership position should be really in tune with, because um, I think the worst thing that could happen is um, you're caught by surprise. And, and I, I would say that will definitely happen with a larger team, but with a small team of, you know, just our little team, there's no excuse. And so for you to show that you care, for you to really remind everyone on the vision and what you're trying to accomplish, the near future milestones and the foreseeable future milestones and the future state milestones, and we're all aligned and working towards those goals, I think that's key. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is empathy, right? And, and uh, you know, maintaining the vision that that's key as a leader is, is empathy and building your own resilience and capacity there. Lori, thank you so much for sharing your story. As always, it's, it's so great to hear you and it's so inspiring. Uh, we are now going to move on into the second part of our program. Yes, everybody, let's give her a virtual clap for sharing.
Uh, so we are going to move into the second part of the program um, with our featured founders and our mentors. And so just as a reminder, uh, what this segment, um, with this segment, we are creating a safe space for the founders. And so confidentiality is key here in what they're going to be sharing. And also that the feedback that's given is constructive and productive and empowering. And we want it to be impactful so they can take action on it you know, when they, they get back to their, their office. And audience members, um, please remember to mute and keep your comments um, to yourself or in the chat box. And let's allow the space for the mentors to ask questions and provide feedback. I'll tell you there is tremendous value when you're on the outside uh, listening in and looking in uh, not only from a learning perspective, but it also can help create breakthroughs for you and in, in what you're up to. And remember that the goal here is to help the founders uh, workshop and set strategies for their business to be a success. And again, by, by you listening, it will help uh, your business as well. So we're going to go ahead and move forward with rapid fire introductions from our mentors. So mentors, when I um, call your name, please tell us who you are, what company you represent and why you are excited to be here and be a part of this community. Uh, so Lori, since you kicked it off, let's go ahead and just start with you as our first mentor. Me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know who you are, so tell us why you're excited to be a mentor. Yeah, I am I am I'm super stoked to be a mentor because um, and many of you know, like I I didn't come from, um, you know, an environment uh, or upbringing where I had a network of people that I can lean on. And I feel like um, earlier when Remy said, oh, she's been in financial services 18 years, it is really 18 years that were just like a waste. <laughs> because I feel like if somebody, if I was just, if I had a family member, if I had a friend, if I had somebody who is an entrepreneur and is like, Lori, there's other options for you. Um, the reason why you're hopping job to job and not happy is because you're climbing up the wrong tree. <laughs> like you're actually a problem solver too. And you'll be really happy if you just like start your own business. Um, and I didn't have that. So I feel like, um, you know, regardless of what road or path you choose for yourself, you just need to be exposed to more people. And I want to be a part of that because I, I, I feel like that's what was lacking um, for me, at least. Thank you. Uh, and I will just share really quickly as a founder who um, is probably the financial part for me is tough. I would say your experience in financial services probably made you really great at talking to investors. And so that was part of your luck. Um, okay, let's move on to Lauren. Hello, uh, Lauren here from uh, Tala, and uh, I'm the Vice President of Global Brand and Communications there. Um, I am really excited to be here. I've, I've been with Tala as an advisor and now full-time for probably about five years running. Um, so I've been with Tala from uh, Series A through uh, our, our D, and I've worked with, uh, I'm not the founder, uh, but I worked very, very closely with our founder along the way on, on every fundraise. Um, and, you know, when I think back to like the A days um, and, and even before that, like we didn't know what we were doing. Like we, we benefited from so much advice and community and support, just like helping us like slog through it. Um, and I really just want to um, 
impart what what I've learned and and just be part of that for someone else. Um, it is such uh, hard work, and it's uh, you know, and Shivani was a, a solo founder, is a solo founder, and um, you know, I know it gets lonely, so I'm just kind of happy to be here. And I, I think any any place you can find community while doing this is is so meaningful. Um, so very very happy to to be part of this group. Thank you, Lauren. And next we have Mikal. Hey guys, um, I'm part of a VC firm in LA called Wavemakers Singapore. Um, second time I think at, at this uh, this kind of meeting, and excited to be here because I think one of the great things about LA Tech is it's less, I think, and trying to continue promoting that. Nice. Thank you for being here. And uh, last but not least, we have Mike. Hey everybody, uh, really glad to be here. I'm Mike Tzu, I'm uh, at Snapchat. I run a program called Yellow that consists of three parts. We have an accelerator program. We have a new program called Collabs that we just wrapped up. And also community is a big part of what we're gonna do in 2021. Um, first half of my career was mainly in pure technology. Second half has been uh, uh, leading product at companies like uh, digital media companies like uh, Break Media, Upworthy, B2, and then um, in between there was also my own startup. Uh, I'm really excited to mentor here because I screwed up a lot of things along the, in all those different spots and being able to share with people, help them avoid that makes us feel like maybe all those mistakes weren't, uh, weren't a waste after all. But uh, so yeah, super excited to be here. Thank you so much, Mike. All right, let's introduce our founders. Uh, we have two really amazing female founders here and I'm super excited to see this. When I went through as the first cohort, I was the only female founder of, <laughs> of the five founders that were chosen. So this is so exciting to have you guys here. So our first founder is Stacy Griffin uh, Cherimoya. And Cherimoya is a mobile app delivering dining, entertainment, and experiences to consumer and business client, uh, clients. Thank you, Stacy, for being here. And then our next founder is, our founders is Eugenia Marshall and Wendy Berry from Condition Her. And Condition Her is a natural moisturizing cream scientifically formulated for your external intimate area, AKA the vulva. If effectively, it effectively maintains pH balance, slays ingrowns, fights, chafing irritation, nourishes skin and softens hair down there. So we are going to first uh, hear from Stacy. Stacy, the floor is yours. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for having me. So I um, started Tiramoya. Tiramoya came about as a result of my children's classmates, one of my son's classmates whose parents were infected with COVID-19. It's a very scary time for everyone, but especially for the three children who were afraid that they would lose their parents. Uh, their parents are here from another country, have no support in the US. So this, our, the parents at the school started a GoFundMe campaign, which I was a part of. But beyond that, the fear in the children face, children's faces reminded me of when my mother got cancer. And I didn't know what would happen to us kids. Uh, my mother was a single parent at the time, didn't know if we would be split up, go into foster care, where we would end up. And that was a really gutting feeling. And I saw that fear in the children's faces. 
what I know how to do is create. And beyond their fear, I realized that millions of other children were facing that same exposure in the industry at large, the food industry, which was also suffering from restaurant closures due to COVID. Beyond that, I realized the service industry and the entertainment industry is food as entertainment. So growing that, we created Chiramoya, which is a marketplace for all things entertainment. Um, we have two clients. We have the providers and we have the customers. They're all intertwined. Consumers can come on into Chiramoya and select, create any type of entertainment experience they want. They can create dinner parties. They can, thank you. My baby just woke up from his nap. Being a sing, single parent here, they can create dinner parties. They can create uh, outings with their friends and family. They can do, and they can experience them in 2D right now with our MVP. And later on, they'll be able to experience them through virtual reality, augmented reality, and convergent reality, which puts you in a space at home with no additional equipment necessary, where you can do it kind of like um, Tom Cruise in Minority Report, where you can go into your experience and have it. Additionally, we believe that people matter. So this whole thing is people-centric. Um, we, we believe in preserving ecosystems. So restaurants will not have to lay off their employees. The employees can deliver the food to the home. It's set up, the back end coordinates all of the food deliveries. It coordinates the schedules. It takes the guesswork out of planning for people because that's a pain point for users is trying to get together. I don't know how many of you try to get together with your friends. And the issue is trying to coordinate everyone's schedule, whether you're here in one state, your friends are in another. If you agree to have dinner together and do it on our platform, everybody does it at the same time, but you have to agree, one person has to agree to eat earlier or later. But when you schedule it, you put in any options of time. I'm probably not explaining this right anyway. You put in, you choose a time and a date, date options. Our platform, you see, put in your friend's phone numbers. Our platform coordinates the time and the date with your friends and sends you back their preference. You choose based on their time and preference. You choose your restaurant options. You choose the menu. Everything gets sent out to your friends with itineraries. If you're the host, you pay. The rest, the back end takes care of all of that. It sends all of your friends itineraries with a QR code. All of your food is delivered to your home synchronously. synchronistically. You all dial into the platform. You experience everything together. You choose your activities. You can go in and experience them any way you choose. So everyone stays connected. Um, it's we're about people staying tethered, improving their uh, mental well-being because people are disconnected right now, and people want to stay together. Um, hmm. I'm having mental block. My son came in. I'm having mental block. In any event. I'd like you to take a look at the MVP because I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> Hold on one second. So let's take it for a drive, folks. 
So it's a digital experience you create with your friends and family. You can book online, you can schedule. Right now you're able to schedule movie nights with your friends and games with your friends. You can do a Netflix party. This gives you more information about the company. Chair Moyer is one of the most rarest fruits in the world. And we bring a rare mix of technologies and events, hassle-free scheduling, and they're all tailored to your, to your tastes. And you can do any combination. We make it easy for you to stay connected with friends and family. You can do live concerts. You can have someone come into your home while you're having your dinner party. And that's it. I would like to answer any questions you may have. Mentors, do you want, who wants to kick it off? So just to clarify something, as you're having the virtual experience, you're, you've already ordered food that's getting delivered to you from a restaurant. Correct. Is that no, correct? The, food, the food arrives in advance. You've, you've scheduled your experience with your friends. You choose your day. It's just like when you order, when you schedule to go out to dinner with your friends at a restaurant, when you schedule an outing, you schedule it in advance. On the day, everything arrives at your house and your friends' homes synchronistically in time for you to dial in to the platform. So when you dial into the platform, everybody's on together. You already have your food. So it's like you're having a, a night out in. You're actually having a night out in. So when you do that, even if you order like drinks, you would have drinks at the bar, then the bartender comes in, he joins you on the platform. If you ordered your drinks pre-mix, then you just have your cocktail hour with the, with the bartender. If you ordered your drinks unmixed, then you have a mixology session with the bartender live. You can do a 2D virtually augmented, well, not right now, but when, the, when we go big. Right now it's just basic. So yes. And so the video chat happens via something like Zoom or you have your own video conference? Right now it's happening platform. via Zoom. It's via Zoom or Google Meets because we're doing the we're doing our beta MVP. So it's just yeah. literally minimal. <laughs> but later on we'll have our own. Um, this all sounds very fun. Um, one question I had was uh, how, to what extent do you, or can users uh, shape their own experiences or are yes. the experiences kind of pre-made? Okay. No, they, you can shape everything. And once the user uses the, the platform enough, the intelligence kind of knows what you like and then they'll start suggesting events for you and they're suggesting packages for you because it learned your behavior. Very cool. And quick follow-up question to that on the on the like provider side, are they um, are you would you then kind of um, go kind of go find uh, providers to sort of fulfill those experiences, or do you have sort of like a the vision be that you have kind of you onboard um, participants? Or we've providers? already we've already started yeah. onboarding. Okay. We've already we started. I started onboarding participants like in August. <laughs> so before even we, before we had it built out, we, I started interviewing, talking to uh, on to participants. So we have already we have wine, uh, we have uh, wineries already. We have wineries. We have cigar bars. We have um, 
we have game companies, we have uh, virtual reality. Like we're right now, we've partnered with um, HTC. Well, we've partnered with several companies to build their technology into our back end, so it runs smoothly. So we're partnering with, uh, we're working, we're talking to AR Wall. So we have the seamless AR into your home. We're also talking with a company called MMR and they're the ones who do the integrated, the convergent reality. So you don't, so it takes you into the more of the um, minority report. So we're partnering with them. So they're build, we, they don't have to build it in. It's an overlay once we build the platform and we're working with HTC. So we're, we're already, we meet with them once a week. So we're building out, we're pre-building things out with no money basically. And we're working out the bugs with our developers. We're working with the development house in Lisbon. So we're, we're working all the technical bugs out with no money right now. So when we get funded, we're just ready to go. So we've already worked, the team is together and we meet every week or once or twice a week and we're all working the bugs out in advance. And we're all, we've already onboarded vendors and none of that's on the MVP because we feel it's best not to just put that out there. <laughs> Stacy, so this is- We started working on it in June. So we've done a lot of pre-work. Stacy, this is super exciting and congrats on everything that you have accomplished with like you said, no money, it's uh, really hard to do. Um, I'm curious to learn more about your revenue model. Yes, so we have a dual revenue model. We have a subscription and a per use model where we take a, um, we charge, uh, we, act as the, we act as the vendor's agent. So we take a 15%, um, we take a 15% fee. And then we have a subscription model for the users. So we give them an option, a per use fee. We have a per use fee and a, and a subscription model. And it's based on the, um, the per use fee is per use, but the subscription model is based on which level of, you know, do they wanna go 2D, VR, whatever, and how often they wanna use it, they can buy a subscription. So if I understand correctly, you are charging a subscription to the end user, so to the people, Correct. right, on a monthly basis, depending on the package they select. And then you're also taking a rev share of 15% from the overall transaction price from Correct. the provider. From the, yes. The vendor, yeah. Okay. Yes. And if you could only pick one thing, First of all, like, I, I love this, like, you know, you're solving a problem, definitely top of mind right now. And this feeling of bringing community together. Um, and what I love about it is also you're trying to make it a little bit more efficient things that people are already trying to do. Uh, which Correct. Is really valuable. We're just, we're just um, amalgamating yeah. everything in one place. Yeah. So I guess for both the end user, as well as the vendors, if you could only boil it down to like, this is the most important thing we're solving for them what would you say is like the thing like, oh, this is what uh, Access. Moya is doing. Okay. I think we're doing, I think, well, I don't know that it could be one thing is kind of like access and ease of use. It's like marketplace, it's the marketplace. So it's like access and ease of use. It's like everything in one place. 
access, ease of use. It's like two things. It's like access and ease of use. It's like accessibility. It's like, it makes it like a no brainer for you. It's like, kind of like when you want, when you want something, here it is. It's like, where do you go to find everything? Here it is. It's kind of like, you know, when you want to go shopping, where do you go? I'm going to Amazon. <laughs> you know, it's when I want to go buy something, it's like, ah, oh, I'll go to Amazon. They can just, I can get it. They can deliver it. And I don't have to think about it. So I have a question, but more like a comment. Have you, um, because right now, how you're maybe acquiring customers is, you know, you can maybe take advantage of the current situation. Hey, Cole, And that's what we're doing. Right. We're, well, we're acquiring customers because all of our vendors have customers. So we're going to take it right now. It makes more sense to take advantage of their existing customers and then piggyback on that and then build on it. Sure. But how, how do you think about the future state when, you know, the vaccination is out and do you see that this is a new normal um, or? No, this is not the new normal. And this is built for post COVID because what we do then we're solving the problem of ease of use. And when people still hate scheduling and getting together with friends. So what this does, it still is like, we still take care of all your scheduling issues. We still allow you to come in, find out what you want to do, give you, you can still come in, schedule it, pay for it, get everything organized, give you the QR code, and then you can go to where you want to go, show them QR code on your phone and everything's already scheduled, paid for. All your friends are already organized. Everybody knows where they're going, what they're going to do. They still have it on their phone. They all show up. Here we are, Bob's your uncle. And that's for your events, wherever you want to go. If you go into a concert, you just show up at the concert. Here's my QR code, scan me in, I'm gone. Where's my seat? You know, where's my seat? I'm going to the theater, meeting my friends, my husband and wife. We're going to the theater. We scheduled our tickets. Here we are. Where's our seat? We're going to dinner. We're going to a concert afterward. We're going to dinner. We're going to a movie afterwards. Where's our seat? It's like uh, show me where I'm going. Didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Um, I was just gonna say, uh, building on that point a little, just in terms of the the user need and kind of the opportunity. Um, you know, one thing we've thought a lot about in our businesses are what are the needs or the gaps in the market that COVID accelerated. So maybe you know, there's there's things that we're doing in COVID that we didn't used to do before, but some of them. Uh, some of them are are very good things, and I and you know things that COVID has actually maybe made better or or opened up as a as a new normal or possibility. And one thing I, I think a lot about with the way you're describing your product is, um, you know, this idea of connecting virtually. I think sure, I'd much rather like just go for a drink at the bar down the street in person when that opportunity allows. But um, one really fun experience I've had. Um, is connecting with people not in my physical community. Um, for whatever reason, I was not doing that pre-COVID and now I am. Um, you know, I'm having all kinds of like virtual happy hours with college friends that live all over the country that I haven't seen. I don't know why we started doing this during COVID, exactly. but we're doing it now and we might want to do it after COVID too because we don't live in the same place. And so um, this idea of like creating these sort of bespoke virtual experiences um, I think is really cool and exciting and maybe something to lean into as you're 
you're thinking about, I, I think there's something very much to access and coordination, but also just this idea of just uh, improving the offline, or not sorry, the online <laughs> experiences that we're having. Um, so that, you know, cause that's gonna be something that may exist post COVID also. And what about people that you never, you haven't thought of in like decades? <laughs> that's what I'm finding people that are caught reaching out to each other who haven't thought about each other in decades. It's like, uh. <laughs> you and, know, and they're, they're trying to get together. And I had one gentleman uh, in our focus group. He was like, you know, I reached out to a friend from like, he was like 50 and he reached out to a friend from fifth grade which is weird. He goes, and then we were on the phone and then we had nothing to do. So this would have been great, <laughs> you know? So yeah, um, yeah, there's, we're looking at positioning this as we have several different, you know, in, in, in doing our client model and creating who's our client, we have several different models because we have our gamer, we have our gamer client, we have our, so we have our fine dining client, who wants to be able to have that dinner party experience, you know, who usually typically has high-end dinner parties. And then we have that client who brings the chef into the home, you know, and has that experience. And then they're like, okay, well, I can still kind of have that, but I want to use it to bring an entertainer into my home. So we have that experience. And then we have the person who is in the restaurant who is used to, you know, maybe has the chef while they're dining, has the chef come to their table. But then you look at the demographics of people and then we say people who typically demographically and ethnically wouldn't have a lot of experiences will be exposed to a whole new menu of things because it's there at their fingertips and they can say oh maybe i'd like to try this and then we have vendors who ethnically and demographically aren't exposed don't have the exposure to it financially don't have the exposure to new markets, we're bringing them in and giving them exposure to whole new markets. And that is really important to me, <laughs> you know, to open up new markets to companies who wouldn't necessarily have that exposure. You know, we have products in the liquor area where we want to have liquor tastings, we're offering liquor tastings, that they're small companies who make great products who don't have the opportunity to get their products out because they don't have the funding or wherever. We can put this on the platform and just open them up. I have a cigar bar that's awesome. And you have very few cigar bars that are owned by people of color or black people. And this guy has amazing, his cigar bar is awesome. So he was one of the first ones to onboard. So, you know, giving people opportunity to have a huge market exposure is really important. So Stacy, just to piggyback off of Lauren's um, comment, mm -hmm. uh, have you considered, and this is something that Finley actually did because when we help our schools migrate offline classes to online, mm -hmm. we naively thought their customers would follow and they didn't. So mm -hmm. then we had to think creatively and how to drive revenue for them. So then what we did was we actually promoted these classes, right, or your experiences to corporate teams because they yes. have a budget, but they no longer can do the happy hours. Yes. They no longer, but they also need to help with remote work and also engagement. And so, and then what we learned is, you know, the consumers, the reason they, they, they dropped off is because they were all very much 
price sensitive, right? And especially in this tumultuous time. Whereas large corporates, that was not the case. So like within one month, we onboarded 21 large corporates to our platform that actually purchase our services for their employees. Um, I think that's an interesting avenue to explore, especially when you're in the MVP stage, because they also want to help local businesses and they have a bit more, um, you know, uh, leeway it comes to that <laughs> also in terms of your, the quality of your technology, they can actually, uh, you know, they're, they're less critical of it than the consumer. One um, of our, um, one of our, uh, we, uh, One of the areas that we look at is how um, our technology allows companies or our platform allows companies to better engage with their employees because companies are looking for ways to keep their employees incentivized and, and reward employees and uh, interact with their employees. Just I was piggybacking off what you said, Lori, about um, interacting with your employees in a personal way and because you're engaged with them. And what our... Uh, technology does is facilitates that because you know you want your employees to engage with each other and you want to get in there in a way that's not too intrusive but doing a game night with them does that and um, we're also working with uh, some studios to uh, take over their screenings because they haven't been able to do screenings because you can't put people in movie theater but we um, let me show you just a second of this. Let me see, where is it? Oh, hold on one second. I can show you one second of what we're doing with um, Vive. Uh, okay. While she's looking so that up, I. I want to say we have time for about two or three more comments um, after this, um, then we move on to the second group. Okay. Okay. Okay, can you see? Yeah. Okay, this is what we're doing with HTC. It's called ViveSync. And ViveSync is a technology that um, you can use for meetings or you can use it for individuals. You can build your own avatar with the photo or you can build it with any way you want. So you can use people, individuals can go in there and have any type of meeting they want or consumers can use it. And you can build up, bring up a screen it can put, I can put you in San Francisco, I'm gonna move it forward. You can build, bring up a screen, you can watch movies or you can use it for meetings. And this is what we use with companies. And we also use it for people who wanna watch movies or do whatever they wanna do. So that's just quickly. So that's to Lori's point about working with companies. Okay. Cool. I, I have some okay. 
comments. So that's to your point, Lori, to working with companies. Mike, you had some comments? Yeah. So um, first of all, I want to caveat with my, one of the things we always tell our companies, if you talk to 10 different mentors, you're going to get 15 different pieces right. of advice on what, what you should or shouldn't do. And they're all going to conflict with each other. And so the job as a CEO is to figure out like, okay, this doesn't apply to me because they've only spent 15 seconds looking at my business. This kind of applies to me. So I'm going to take pieces of it. And this, like I should definitely take, so, you know, take this for what it is. Uh, but I think what, Two, two concepts I want to uh, push on. One, I, I think, is the idea. I know there's like this end state of a bunch of cert diversity of services you want to offer. Right, but I think end early, state. Early, <laughs> early on is really trying to focus on, you, you won't be able to solve all of the different problems well. And what I would th really strongly consider is like, what is like, if it's dinner party, if it's a VR thing, if it's, uh, you know, get escape rooms, like which of it is, the one you want to solve really well, right? Like Amazon right. is Amazon today, but Amazon began with selling books. We can solve this book problem. And along the way, we solved some infrastructure problems and all these, you know, how to go to market and how to, you know, build algorithms that could apply to all these other products. And so, um, but I think figuring out like one genre, whether it's, you know, alcohol or food or, you know, would really help your team also figure out how to, really hone in on building the experience. And like, for example, when I went to the website, the first thing I see is VR. And I was like, oh, okay, this is a VR company. And then there's like different things. And so it's harder, like, and then that didn't really match with when you were saying, what we want to be is a marketplace. Um, to me, the first impression was like, okay, this is a VR company, VR, VR experiences rather than like this idea okay. of a marketplace. Okay. And I think even there thinking about the idea of a marketplace is then your advantage has to be like, Oh, we're going to have all the things in the marketplace, which is really, really hard to do with like low budget and like a small nimble team. Like, so I would really think about this idea of honing in on who this solving one case really quickly. And then okay. on the execution side, then is to also think about like doing non-scalable things. I think Y Combinator talks about this a lot. And just because they both IPO this week, like Airbnb, you know, literally the founders would go into their, their listings and go do the photographs themselves which is like the least scalable thing ever, or like DoorDash, they delivered in Palo Alto and they were literally, they didn't set up any systems. They would call, take the order, they would call them in and the restaurant eventually was like, hey, you keep buying big orders from us. Like, are you really hungry? And they're like, no, 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 we're trying this delivery service. It's like super non-scalable, but along the way really helps you figure out like where those problems are. Like, is the thing you need to build like a reservation system that's a missing piece? Or is it like integration in the back end? Or is it no, like we we did that. UI? Yeah, we did that. We 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 okay. we actually we actually went through and did it, and the yeah. problem was scheduling. Yeah. Okay. So then maybe the thing to really focus on is scheduling software. I don't know what the actual thing is, but like that gives you some insight into like, well, the only software we should build right now is scheduling. All right. Any other any other comments before we wrap up? Thank you. No. Okay. Every uh, well, of course, share information. So if anybody has anything, you know, afterthoughts, they can share with Stacy. One thing that came to mind for me, Stacy, was uh, the online dating world and long distance dating. Oh. And if you think about it, right now, uh, the dating world is a challenge because of COVID. And I know um, Bumble is a female-founded company. 
and they're offering uh, different things, you know, promos and things to kind of help, you know, uh, get people to, you know, be able to communicate and chat and experience each other. And so I think this is a perfect opportunity to create. Uh, Never thought of that. Thank you. Never thought of that. <laughs> Thank I can you. Focus for you on that one. Um, <laughs> yes. All right. Thank you so much, Stacy, for sharing. Thank you, mentors, for your feedback for her. Everybody give her a round of applause for presenting. You know what it's like to be in that seat. And let's move on to our second uh, founders here. Um, Eugenia Marshall and Wendy Berry from Condition Her and with a natural moisturizing product for our female lady parts. <laughs> Ladies. Yeah, uh, yes, nice to meet you. I got excited when we started talking about online dating and long distance dating because I could use any help. Sign me right <laughs> on, girl. Add that girl. I'm coming through. Uh, okay, let me, um, I'm going to get us situated. I'm going to apply some more lip gloss because kind of my superpower. And I need these things to be keep moving while we're talking through this for you folks today. Thank you for doing this for us. Uh, I am going to be the one to share screen and get us, hopefully, get us together. Woo. All right. And with that, I do believe um, we're ready to work. Uh, Eugenia, you ready on your end? Yes, I'm ready. All right, well, let's get it. Here we go. So good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Eugenia Marshall, and I am the Director of Training and Compliance for NKSSB, which is one of the largest business management firms in the world. And I am an employed entrepreneur. I have two amazing children, um, a daughter at TSU and a son at Auburn University. Um, and Eugenia is my bestie. I am Wendy Roseberry, also an employed entrepreneur. I've spent the last 10 years of my life working in television marketing at Warner Brothers. Just got a promotion last week, which is like, yay, but then kind of sucks as an entrepreneur because I'm trying to, you know, leave a little bit. But anyway, super excited about that. I too um, am, the mother, am the mother of a 24-year-old college grad who's finding his way. Um, and Eugenia and I aren't just besties. We're business besties because together we are the co-founders of Condition her moisturizing cream, okay? We are on a mission to save vulvas worldwide, okay? We want to give women the map to maintain the WAP. And if you don't know what the WAP is, I need you to just do a little Googling. We're not going to go into that. But I can tell you what the map is. The map for us is moisturized and pH balanced. That's what we're giving you to help you maintain that WAP, okay? And so where did such a crazy idea come from? Um, only one of the best places for ideas to come to women. Hello, girls night, happy hour. Lots of rosé for me, a gin and tangere. Thank you very much. So the story is I was dating long distance and this particular brother, um, let's just say he preferred a little more hair than the two finger landing strip that I was keeping. He was a little more 70s bushes, bushish. So that like took me into a frenzy and we were visiting in Chicago and I went to drinks with the girls. I was like, ladies, you know, what am I going to do? You know, I need, I got to, I guess I got to go back to doing what I did in my teenage days. And the table was like, well, what was that, Wendy? I said, well, I, I'm moisturized and conditioned that shampooed. You. I was like, so the question became at the table. So have any of you ever used your hair shampoo or conditioner on your pubes? And so the, the laughter erupted because, you know, the rosé was kicking in. Um, but then the little confessions came out, the little hands came up. It's like, yeah, I used to do that in my teenage days, early 20s. 
Um, yeah, I used to do that. Uh, and, I, and so it's like, why were you doing it? Uh, I thought I was um, softening my pubes. Then someone raised their hand and said, well, I use conditioner, hair conditioner in that area to shave with. So the, the, the fact remained that we were all doing it, but it wasn't safe at all. So that led to a seven year journey uh, for us to get our brand here because we realized that women, including myself, were using unsafe, um, unhealthy products, ingredients in that area. And you know, there's lots of things that we have right in our bathroom today that we think, oh yeah, I'm lotioning up, I can lotion everything. And it's not safe for that particular area. That vulva area, the external part and internal part, it's very sensitive and we must not only watch what we're putting like in our body in terms of the foods we eat, but what are we putting on our body? And the, the key phrase here is that everything that's natural is not safe for your body. So. We, seven years ago, we came up with this crazy idea, literally the night of drinks. Um, and it's after we met our biochemist four years ago, and we are happy to introduce um, Condition Her. It is a daily use moisturizing cream, scientifically formulated for your external intimate area, which we know as the vulva. I think it's a very sexy word. We don't use it often enough, um, but that is for a little education, especially for our gentlemen in here. That is the external part uh, of the lady parts. The internal part is actually the vagina that leads to the canal. So we need to get back to our third grade education about our body. So um, what does it do, you may ask, uh, in terms of saving the vulvas? Uh, first and foremost, this is a health and wellness product. This, uh, the formulation uh, is keeping your pH maintained and anything can throw a woman off. Those with kids and husbands, you know, that alone might throw your pH off. But uh, in all serious, in seriousness, the products we use, the medications we're taking, our diet, working out, keeping your underwear on a little too long, anything can throw us off. Um, but also equally as important to me, um, because that little 70s bush growth brought out ingrown hairs and those are gnarly, they're unsightly, they, start, they cause discoloration. So this is slaying those ingrowns. One thing we learned that we didn't, uh, it's not on our packaging that we didn't know is chafing. Women that are thick in the thighs and touch a little bit or you're a runner, you chafe. So almost immediately relieves the chafing. And then finally, ladies, this is what it does for you. Cause I know y'all out there with the Corona bush. Yes, several of you have the Corona bush that has arisen during this time of the pandemic. And so this is also going to soften the hair that's present there. And you, as you see on the slide, there's a lot of unhealthy things that are not in this product. There's a lot of wonderful um, ingredients that are meant to help promote vaginal health. Uh, I'll say another um, great thing about our product is we are, we are a black woman-owned business, but we're a, a wholly owned and operated woman business. Our chemist is a PhD biochemist, our packaging designer. Um, and just to give you a little, this is a, we have some competitors on the market that have been oil-based. We are cream-based through the little YouTube tutorial. So that's what you use, and it's unscented. So that's what it does. Gina's gonna give you the money talk here. Yes, let's talk opportunities. So the U.S. beauty and personal care market is $145 billion strong. And we are waist deep in that market. And so we just want to give you some numbers about our company. I mean, um, you know, numbers that pertain to our company. Each bottle costs about $3.60 to produce. Okay, so $3.60 to produce. And we retail at $29.99. And our, our biggest competitor actually sells for $46. So there, you know, we're we're significantly under our our largest competitor. Um, we have an extremely engaged following. We've only been in business a little over a year. We have over five thousand followers on IG that are extremely engaged. We have an extremely responsive email list that is over six thousand strong, with an open rate of about twenty three percent. 
which is unheard of, I'm, I'm being told. Um, so we have a very active, engaged community that we've really taken pride in building. Um, and then it, we've, we've, we've noticed that our cost to acquire a new customer keeps dropping as we engage our community and grow our brand loyalty. So our cost to acquire a new customer is about $4.50. Um, but at this point, our biggest weakness is capital. Um, we, our original order was for 6,000 units. We, we bootstrapped up until this point, um, but our next order has to be 10,000 units, um, which is, you know, which is presenting an issue. So we have a, we have a capital issue. And in addition to that, we need more marketing dollars because we, because we've done everything ourselves up until this point, marketing dollars really, really make a huge difference for our brand at this point. So um, the next the next big challenge is, like I said, making that order. However, it presents another opportunity because in our next order, we're going to actually um, create another product, which is called Condition Him. Because one of the things that we found in this journey is that our product not only works for her, it works for him. Most men struggle with ingrown hairs on their neck and, and then they have the coarse hair of their beard. So the, the cream actually works really well for that area. So we're having it we're having a, it reformulated for men. Um, and we will bring that to the table when we bring our second round. So um, that's huge for us. And as you can see, we have lots of other products that we want to bring to the table because this is definitely going to be a lifestyle brand. Right. And let's be clear. So for him, for the gentleman in the room, that's going to be a beard and neck cream. Listen, where you use it, it's up to you. They're using it everywhere anyway. But um. The big question is, does it work? And the answer is yes. And we're coming up on our time. I, I want to read two testimonials so you, you kind of get a sense. Uh, this is uh, this is coming from um, Victoria Smith from New York. She's been a repeat purchaser. Um, I want to say we launched this brand after these seven years, six, I mean, last June, June of 2019. So we're just over a year old. I, I think we left that out. So Victoria's comment was, great product. I have always had a lot of ingrowns, even with 10 years of regular waxing. And I just thought that's the way it is. After two weeks of using condition her, there is significant improvement. Even my waxing esthetician noticed. There's also still plenty left in the tube. Thank you. I'm really a fan and I think you have, I think you have something and what you're doing is great. And then second, this is from a man that we just got last week. I'm a guy, but I tried some of my wife's condition her cream when I got really bad chafing on my thighs after a long run. It worked like a charm to heal it up. And now I put some on before every run and the chafing has never returned. As a physician, I think this product is great. And that came from Dr. James Mangan, uh, hematologist and oncologist at UC San Diego Health. So that's the answer. It works. Uh, and, the, and as we close out, what's our why? We're just passionate about this. After seven years of trying to figure this out, finally meeting a chemist in the jacuzzi four years ago and getting it to market in June, we're passionate. The product works. And for us, success really equals generational wealth equity, access, and opportunity, not only for us, but for our families and our community. So with that, we want to thank you for your time, your interest and energy, and we'll leave you with saying that Condition Her is simply the best care for down there. Thanks, guys. Great presentation, ladies. Love the energy and the passion. All right, mentors. Ooh, that's this coffee. Thanks, girl. <laughs> That was our first time, so. Yes. It <laughs> was the very first time we've ever done this. <laughs> Fire! Good job.
Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll jump in. I've got a couple of questions. One, Woo! I think the gross margins are great for an e-commerce product for 90%. That's very difficult to do. So that's great. Um, you know, I'm sensing a bit of tension between the brand and then product range over time, right? You're aspiring to grow into a lot of different products across men and women. How do you build a brand that's cohesive that doesn't sort of fragment across all those products over time? You stick to the lifestyle of who the brand was made for. When you look at all of those extensions, and, and I don't, I can bring that back up if you need to see. When we look at who our customer is, those are all things that fit that customer really in an intimate way. Your pajamas, your underwear. And we wanted to one-stop the whole family because our chemist is so amazing. We thought, you know, since the men are already using it on their face, they're actually using it on their pubes as well. We thought, why not do a diaper rash cream so that mom can know she's confident and that this product works for her. Some of our biggest customers have eczema, sebaceous cysts, uh, super sensitive skin. Our youngest customer is a seven-year-old that chafes. And so the, we, we were like, we can one-stop. You know, what else goes along with that? Everything, anything that has to do, listen, this is about self-care. And for so long, self-care has meant like, get your nails done, go get a massage. And uh, over the last, I'd say five years, it's, it's, it's uh, extended into this intimate care. So we're really encouraging men and women to have an intimate care regimen. Uh, and so we're providing the products to that. You know, everything from candles, things that kind of make you feel good. So there's not like we went from conditioner cream to like car seats. Everything, as you see, kind of fit in this whole lifestyle of a person that would use our brand. Hope that answered your question. Okay. I want to add, can I add one little thing? One of the things that we've had to do is we've had to build a community, right? So we do these live sessions on, on the weekend called Compersations, which is an extension of the brand as well. Because one of the things you have to do is in order to buy a cream that you put on your vulva from two women that you don't know, is you have to trust them. And so what we've noticed is the reason why our open rate is so high and why people actually you know, respond when we post is because they trust us. We've built that trust. And um, I, I think that also extends to the brand extension. And, I, and I'll, I'll piggyback on that with Eugenia. The conversations is something that we planned last year to launch this year as a podcast and to talk about how COVID impacted us that definitely pushed us into like, we're a one skew brand. We can't post on our social this little cute little tube as cute as our designer Kendra Dandy did this. We can't do that every day. We need to like talk to them. So conversations had been this weekly chat on Sundays where we've had real estate agents. We've had, you know, men, women, we've had a sex worker because OnlyFans was a big thing. And everyone's like, really, what is it? We've had a preacher's wife on that felt like there's needs to be more education, feminine health education with the saints. Cause you know, she said the praise and, you know, she calls that the little, the V, the, the V in virtue. And, and she said, praise and worship must go forth in the bedroom with her and the pastor. So she wanted to keep that. And she was the one with the sebaceous cyst and spoke out about it. So I think when you, you know, like I said, in, in extending the conversations allowed us to create this community and then let's also speak on it. The death of George Floyd, what we will say is that we did not reveal ourselves as the owners of this brand until Blackout Tuesday. Uh, as black women, uh, I, I worked, I've worked with several prestige brands. I spent several years in my 20s working at Fred Siegel, which is high end, you know, real estate. I understand prestige brands. Um, 
And so we opted not to show our faces because the reality is, is that we are still a very racist country. Um, and we have to get past the fact that we are black women to even legitimize the fact that we may have come up with a product um, to work. And so it wasn't until Blackout Tuesday that we revealed who we are, were, and that really just started to, again, at this point, people are buying uh, and supporting us um, because they're, they like us and who we are. And then it's just like a, a huge celebration to have a product that actually works. Wendy and Eugenia, like I yeah. love the story and I love the product. Congratulations on the Thank early you. success. Um, I am curious about the defensibility of your product. Um, how proprietary is it? You know, can another uh, femtech uh, with deeper pockets uh, develop something similar? What is your thought on that? Great question. And the answer would be no. Um, our chemist uh, is, is, is world-renowned. Uh, and just to be transparent, we make, and we make and manufacture in Turkey. Our chemist is the head of biochemistry at the university. And I hope I'm saying this correct, Yedetepe. Um, we are going to move into 2021 to actually patent our product because there are ingredients of hers that exist in the product that are patented. They are her patents. She owns several. Uh, the majority of the products that she's made are for cancer patients. So um, again, and I, and I specifically mentioned that we make in Europe because uh, if you know anything about European Union and their stand, they require testing prior, stability testing, skin testing before it leaves Europe. Our FDA will almost let you put something in a bottle. I'm sure you've seen plenty of yoni oils, yoni this, mix it up in the kitchen, put it down there with a little of this. And, you know, while that's great and no shade to those those entrepreneurs that have figured that out and it works, we felt 100% more comfortable knowing that we couldn't just bring this out here. I'd be, I'd be horrified if we were responsible for somebody's vagina falling off. I just don't want that. So it made us feel very safe to know that this was um, not only tested, but passed at a high level of natural, the only reason that this isn't up, there's a few ingredients that are on the positive list that wouldn't, but we are we are considered by testing 87.7% natural, which is very high for a product like this. So I'd like to say no. I'd also like to, to acknowledge that we are not the first to be uh, in this market in terms of intimate moisturizing. There's a brand called Fur that beat us to market about four years ago. They're a pubic hair oil. Uh, oil penetrates the skin differently. It sits differently. Uh, they make no claims of maintaining pH balance and things of that nature. So there's a lot of differentiating factors uh, for us already, but our formula is definitely one um, that I just like to say, you can't touch this in, the, in the, the, the words of good old MC Hammer. And we're working with our, our attorney actually brought that up because um, as you can see, we've, we've had like a, a ton of growth in the last year. And so we recently brought on a badass woman to, to represent us. And that's one of the first things that she talked about because as a business manager, you know, we're trademarked. You know, I know that the IP is important, but she, we didn't think that we could patent because there were things in the formula that are already patented. And she brought it to our attention that yes, we can. So that's something that's on the slate, but we need more, you know, we're gonna have to work on that capital because that is definitely something that we wanna do early next year. So awesome, awesome presentation. Love the, love the energy. Um, and actually you sharing the story about George Floyd actually kind of helped answer, contextualize some of my initial reaction was I, I went to this because prior to this, I went to the site and it seemed very clean and sort of like, almost like a spa like, like, oh, this is it. And then when you guys presented, there was so much personality, right? 
And, uh, and, and so I, I was like, how do we bring, there, there's kind of, I guess, a couple of different ways to approach building a brand like this. Uh, and obviously recognizing I'm a dude, so I'll just take it for uh, whatever it's worth. But like, you know, one is to like, just not talk about it. And like, sort of like you see the Cialis or, you know, Viagra commercial, they're like, oh, we're just like a couple looking at the sunset. And by the way, like, this is a product. So you're like really just selling this general, like, uh, and avoiding the topic or just leading into it the way when I hear you all talk about it is like, you know, here's what a vulva is and here's what, you know, this is the difference between vulva and vagina and like, and just like that to me, like felt so different than like the way any of these other products and market in general are talked about. And so to me, that's like a big advantage. And like, I love the idea that you guys are thinking about, you know, podcast content and community as a way to you know, build evangelism in, because I think ultimately, even if the, the formula is defensible because of the personality that you all have, you have the opportunity to create this idea of community. And once people are bought into community, you actually have, they're going to be more loyal to that. Even if Amazon comes in, they're going to be like, well, screw that. I'm rolling with Wendy and Eugenia. Like I, you know, like screw Amazon. Like, cause, and that's, that's where I think, you know, so I, I think there's certainly, opportunity I would consider evolving the brand even just like what you present on the page to reflect more of this sort of like unabashed like you know and I love the idea of self-care earlier you mentioned self-care as sort of the unifying factor like if you can dig into that a little bit deeper and how do we like talk about self-care how is that different you know and sort of this like you know I don't care like this you know like I love the idea like I had a couple of drinks and we made this <laughs> this is how this came up like this is our lifestyle. This is the woman that's bought into condition her. And eventually the guy who buys into condition him is like, this is the lifestyle. This is, this is how we think about life. This is how we think about self-care. And it's not like this, you know, pretty spa, like sort of, you know, new age music in the background. It's like, you know, how do we have frank conversations? How do we have a couple of drinks to talk about this? Like, and so I, I feel like there's so much of that ingredient. I would love to see that more in how you're representing the brand. Mike, you are spot on, first of all. Thank you for recognizing that. Um, because one of the, and if you noticed um, the first slide, I'll try and get back to it really quickly and just um, see if I can share it with you guys. I'll go back here um, to the top. Let me see, how, can, how do I do that? So this very first intro slide is speaking right to what you're saying. One of the things that came out of the George Floyd when everyone was wanting to support, we went radio silent for a good week because I felt uncomfortable. I didn't know how to speak and I didn't know how to take, we didn't know how to take all of the attention coming to our brands simply because we were black. Then it drilled down to the fact that white women had decided that not only did they want to support a black owned business, they specifically wanted to support a black woman owned business. That led to the actress, Danielle Brooks. If you've watched Orange is the New Black, she played the, the character Tasty. We ended up on her, listed as number one on her list of top 50 small uh, Black-owned businesses to support. That caught the attention of a um, beauty agency in New York called Schoolhouse New York. They work with brand, major brands, prestige brands that you've seen in Sephora, Bloomies, Barneys, um, they decided that their give back as a company was going to allocate a thousand hours of marketing time to 10 companies at 100 each. We were one of the recipients. So for the last two to three months, we've been working with Schoolhouse to do exactly what you said, rebrand that website. It was very safe. 
Um, and this slide here is one of the slides that they've come back. So that's giving you a little bit of the, the zhuzh and kind of the fly, the, the textures, the skin tones, the lips, the sexy, you know, a little bit about it um, and that we are headed there. Um, and so you're absolutely right. And one of the things I will speak to men, and this came from a guy friend of mine, we want to make sure we're always speaking about this where when a man sees this too, because the initial question from men when we started talking about this, when we tried to go get money, like how do you, most of the men are in the VC world. So how do you ask a man, for money for a coochie conditioner. So after the, the embarrassment like wore off, their first question was like, well, is it edible? So strictly sexual. So we had to really reprogram them to health and wellness. And then even though health and wellness, a guy, you know, what I realized in talking to guy friends is guys don't want to see this sitting on your bathroom counter and think monostat. Like when you see monostat on a woman's counter or under the counter, you're like, ooh, what's wrong? Whereas the crazy thing is, when because of the way that it was marketed, when men see Summer's Eve or some sort of douche, there's even been rappers that rap about like douche it, like it's a thing. And that's not great for women's pH at all. So we wanted like men and women to see this and be like, we want, want you to be like, yeah, my girl's taking care of it. My girl is popping. That Yoni, that vulva is popping. You know what I mean? Everything's healthy in there and not like, ooh, what's a problem? So you're right. There wasn't a lot of sexying it up. Um, and I, I, one thing that we were remiss is that from the beginning, from the very first day that we decided to do this as a business, we incorporated a charitable component. That's called Support Her. So Support Her is what we, we also, we went on and activated that during COVID. So 30% of our sales for several months went directly to estheticians that had been closed during COVID and, and didn't have income. So we were able to award three estheticians at least $300 um, each uh, and more. Uh, and we kind of had to stop and transition out because several of them, they were across states and they were opening up at different times. So we kind of phased out. But it Support Her is our chari charitable component and it will go along with anything that we do as a give back um, or education. Um, you also see Recondition Her pop up in the future on our site as just a resource and referral for us to share information about other women-owned brands. Our education piece, we are not doctors and we're not gynecologists. We are two women with vulvas and vajayjays that want to keep them as they are, especially as we're knee-deep in these 40s and everything's changing shapes and forms. Um, this is great for women in the perimenopausal space like us and women in the menopausal because everything drying out internally affects you externally. So my own um, gynecologist, um, the president of the California Medical Board are all huge supporters of this brand and what it does for women of all ages. I'll tap into um, one of the things that we learned when we worked with Schoolhouse is, as you can see, Wendy and I are very much yin and yang. So, um, and then we're best friends. We have so many, so much connectivity between us. It's like ridiculous. We've been friends for over 20 years. So I can tell what she's thinking by the way she, her face scrunches up. And what they noticed when they were doing our interviews is they said that people would relate to us. And, and when they said that, we start, you know, one of the things we've done in the last couple of months is we've hired a full-time publicist. Because when we're able to be on a podcast or anything visual and people can see the interaction between Wendy and I as founders and friends, they can relate. So, and then, you know, like I said, part of our brand is getting people to trust us. And when we, they can see the trust and the exchange between us, it's like they want to be our friend. You know, like they don't like Wendy, they like me, or if they don't <laughs> they like Wendy, like it's somewhere in the between because we're so different. Who doesn't like me? I'm a Libra. Everybody likes Libras. <laughs> no, that's why I think absolutely lean into that. Like, first of all, like for, because 
honestly, when I was looking at the website before, I was like, oh, okay. I don't know if I could, I, I might just keep quiet during this one because I don't want to <laughs> jump in and say something, something stupid. But like, you guys, like your presence definitely invites a conversation and invites, makes a brand actually a lot more comfortable and inclusive, I feel like, just, just in the way you talk about it. Just, you tear the bandaid off and all of a sudden like, okay, well, all right, you know, Mike, real quick, let me tell you when men start to listen up. When we tell fellas, like, listen, fellas, y'all, you single fellas, all of you guys have a few different partners. You guys know when you switch partner and she has a little different uh, uh, au trois, as I call it, a little, little different accent, <laughs> and you're telling your boys, man, she got a little scent. You know, that's the pheromones. Sir, no, that's called BV, bacterial vaginosis. That was not a pheromone. Uh, Molly, we in danger. The coochie is not kept. So, you know, it was important, it really is important. There's a lot of education for men that we want to do. I, I stepped into a room on Clubhouse to talk about this the other day. Stage full of men, not one of them knew what the term vulva was. So we literally need to go back and recondition our minds about, you know, and, and you know, we get flagged. We can't even really promote uh, and do a lot of ads between Instagram and Facebook because this little sketch right here apparently is offensive. And we're really, I mean, even if we have to- We have to find, we found a workaround. We want to fight, we want to fight um, that, but we shouldn't have to find a workaround. That's the point. Especially, no shade to Rihanna, because I love Rihanna, especially when women are in their underwear and bras and panties that are like see-through on Instagram every day. So um, this is just wonderful. Like Eugene, I'm super nervous. I've been cold and hot. I don't know what my hot flashes or what, but this whole process makes me super nervous. So this was a great first like entry to doing this. So. We're happy to answer anything else. Um, and, and shout out to Molly for pushing us along and, with this. And Mike, just to be honest, the name came from a guy. It did. Position Her was actually uh, an idea, you know, that came to Wendy's old boss. And um, so that was actually, you know, a gift. We can't tell who it is. If his wife founds out, she's gone flip. <laughs> <Blue> man. And <laughs> then um, our whole holiday theme, like we're, we're celebrating hoo-ha holidays. And that actually came from a man as well. So it's just really interesting how men have played their role in our journey. Because if I can be frank, the first name at the table, which really started all the laughter, y'all, and I hope we're all adults. But yeah, we were going to make Shampussy. Mm-hmm. We were going <laughs> to I hadn't tapped in yet. I yep. <laughs> just going to let y'all know. And that's when I called Gina the next day. She was like, okay, Wendy, okay, bye. Call me when you get back from Chicago. And I went back and I had to tell my boss, and he said, what are you going to call it? I said, I don't know. He said, go get your, go get your credit card out of your purse. And he went to GoDaddy and he typed in conditionher.com. And I said, well, by condition him too. We'll figure that out. And here we are talking to you guys about vulvas. Who would have <laughs> <laughs> um, We have time for about one more question or comment um, from our mentors. Anyone? Uh, I can jump in. I mean, I I have, um, I love this. And I, I love uh, uh, everything that Mike was saying to you and it had jotted down a lot of that. Um, I think what I what I was gonna suggest was just in the in the deck and the story, like just to keep leaning into um, uh, not just the product vision but the community vision. So you know some of these uh, ideas around content, um, what you're seeing from your community, the the engagement and and commitment, because that is such a moat um, and such a source of growth. Um, and even uh, you know product development too. I mean, what it, you know the condition him is uh, obviously like that's that was a natural evolution of your of your community and. And what else? Uh, what else is everyone asking for? Because I think that is, and you know, going back to uh, Mikhail's like very first question, like what is the thing that ties the product together? Uh, I think it's you all uh, and the community you've built. So I'm I'm totally uh, all in on that, and I, I think it's 
Awesome. Um, and then the other thing I, I was going to ask and suggest about was PR. Um, sounds like you're doing that, which is great. Um, like get this, get the story out there and get, get your faces out there. Like I think uh, it's, you've got such an amazing story and, and presence and that uh, that's going to be like a huge, a huge differentiator, I think for you as well. Thank you so much. We would love for everyone, including Miss um, um, Stacy down here, who presented right before us. Thanks for helping knock the, the nerves off, girl, because I was cold and sweating at the same time. But uh, I'm love... still sweating and cold. <laughs> <laughs> we, right? We'd love to gift all of you so that you can try it. Um, who's this over here? Is it Michael? Is it Michael? Michael? Yep. Go on and put it on your beard. We're not going to tell. It's <laughs> you will see. My brother uses it. Um, my cousins use it. Um, and so my boyfriend uses it. Like, I told boyfriend. him to bobble around. Yeah, but so we will make sure that we get a co code over to um to Molly to share with all of you um and get it out to you. So thank you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So um also I'm part of a running group. So thank you for sharing about the chafing. But happy to share and distribute samples, whatever the case may be. Would codes. be happy to share several, give out discount codes, talk to the group, whatever you need. Yeah, and also I shared with you already um, to check out the Bloomy. Um, they're a marketplace for these types of products. Um, Rebecca, I'd be happy to make an introduction, has already raised money. And I think she'd be a really great um, community, you know, female founder resource to share the challenges with trying to raise money for a female product. Um, and, and like I said, she's raised, so she has some connections for you. They have shown us a little love in social. And I was like, oh, Gina, they saw us. So I was sending messages like a crazy lady. So I'm not sure if that was their social person or how far, but that would be wonderful. And we really appreciate that offer. Absolutely. Thank Rebecca's amazing. And, and she's always happy to help. Uh, so I'll, I'll make that intro for you guys. Um, we are coming up on the end of time. I want to thank everyone um, for participation and especially our founders. You know, it's a journey that we're all on and an overall theme that I got from everybody speaking. And it's so important right now in this day and age and what, what we're all going through, but is resilience, right? That everybody has resilience and in because and, and, we wouldn't be here at this point now and come this far, but we need to lean into that and, and do the things that are important to help us build um, our capacity and to increase our resilience. So important right now. So make sure we all talked about different aspects of self-care at some point or another. So lean into that self-care to expand the resilience, expand the capacity. So important um, as for us as leaders, but also as female founders, when you're juggling, you know, a lot of relationships or children mm. work and, you know, working entrepreneurs and building a company. So Thank you all um, for doing this. And, you know, the most important piece to all of this is community. And um, by everyone participating, showing up, it shows you what Plug, Plug in South LA is all about. It's building that community that we can tap into and, um, you know, leaning on others. And, and especially when we feel that loneliness that, that does come with leadership. So remember that uh, we also have a, uh, Slack channel that you guys can participate in. Um, we want to make sure that we're encouraging other founders out in the, in the market to come and participate in this these uh, series of events um, that we host. And um, I will now turn it over to 
our hosting team. Where are you guys? Uh, Molly and Derek <laughs> taking over. Close us on out. Yes, thank you guys. I can't reiterate enough how grateful we are to be able to bring this group together and to just provide a safe space for founders to connect, to collaborate, to um, gain this valuable feedback in order to grow and scale your businesses to the success that we that we want you to achieve. Um, and again, just bringing it back to the community that we're all a part of and that we're building. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And a huge thanks to Remy for being our host for today. Um, and yeah, just to reiterate, you know, I will, I will send a, like another follow-up thank you just to introduce everyone here. Um, so you have the, the space to be able to connect after if that, if that works, or if that makes sense for your schedule. Um, and, you know, we do keep, we'll keep these um, opportunities open monthly. So, you know, maybe we'll, we'll see you again at the end of the year to kind of give your next version of the pitch or see where you want further along. Um, and just to encourage your group of community to, to come and listen in, you know, there's the opportunity to listen as an audience member. And hopefully those that were kind of in that role today were able to gain some feedback and intel for, to help with your own business. Um, but we want to keep this a community facing event. We want to help as many people as we can within South LA and the virtual community that we have now. So keep that in mind. And we're so grateful and anything that we can do to help you guys um, as you close out for the holidays, if we don't see you before then, have a great holiday season, have a happy new year, and um, we'll stay in touch. Looking forward to 2021.